Well, good evening. I'm Rick Dancer. Welcome to Get Real with Rick Dancer. And tonight we have a very important topic, and I'm sure it's a very heated conversation for some people. Um, we're going to be talking about the unhoused or the homeless in our community. Uh, some local businesses have gotten together. We're working to try to get Rich up on the signal right now. He's in the background trying to do that. Uh, but he's uh, with a business group <clears throat> that's come together. There's over 100 of them. And uh, they're really putting some pressure on to find uh, some solutions for homelessness in Eugene because it's uh, quite frankly uh, ruining their business. And uh, it's uh, a lot of people in this town are very, very concerned about it. I think people like myself in Springfield were also concerned about it because it's starting to drift over our direction. And um, <clears throat> so we're concerned. Uh, so we're going to get into that, but first we got to have Bill come up, and first we have an open. So welcome to Get Real with Rick Dancer tonight. We're going to have a very real conversation about homelessness in Eugene, Oregon. Who puts up with this? That's what I don't understand. From the 1120 AM and 93.7 FM, KPNW Studios, I'm Bill London, and here's a look at <laughs> Look at you. Sarah, look at that introduction. Isn't Rick you such a charmer? Bring the lion out. Bring the, bring the lion out. That we had a sketch artist do a drawing of Commissioner Bozovich. That um, tonight on our show, we're going to have music therapy has been shown to relieve symptoms of Alzheimer's. It is time now for Rick, and he's going to get real, really real. Hey guys, don't you think it's kind of fun that you get to comment on the news? There's a cost. Oh yeah, there's a cost. People come after you. Like, I think that's why this is so much fun is because you can really be interactive with what's going on. Now it's time to get real. Said, now it's time to get real. I mean, really real. It's a big dose of really, real, real with Rick. I'll see you at five. Good evening so from Bill. the News Radio 1120 and 93.7 FM KPNW Studios. I'm Bill London. And I'm here to break stuff. Well, it was an ignominious milestone set over the weekend in Portland. Portland police say two people were murdered at an old town apartment building on Sunday, and a Portland man is now arrested on murder charges as the investigation continues. The first calls came in at about 6.25 in the morning to shots fired inside a building on Northwest 6th Avenue. When police arrived, they found a man and a woman dead in the apartment. Shortly thereafter, Portland police homicide detectives booked Michael Van Domelen, a 45-year-old of Portland, into the Multnomah County Detention Center. He's looking at two counts of first-degree murder. The victims have not been identified, but their deaths are the 71st and 72nd homicides of 2021 in Portland, and that sets a new annual record record of 70 was set back in 1987. Along with that, over the weekend, police are investigating 19 verified shootings that happened between Friday evening and Sunday. Well, following up on a story we first reported a couple of weeks ago, dozens of Oregonians that are serving prison sentences for crimes they committed as minors are going to be eligible for early release based on new criteria set by Governor Kate Brown. And last week, Governor Brown commuted the sentences of 74 people who've served at least 15 years of their sentences for crimes they committed as juveniles. Their commutation is going to take place in about 45 days, the earliest possible date that the parole board 
board could schedule a hearing where the board will ultimately decide the outcome and whether those who are convicted get conditional release. Victims and their families are going to be notified and will be able to participate in the hearings. Brown's office wrote in a statement that she believes more of an emphasis is needed on preventing crime and rehabilitating youth rather than harsh punishments and lengthy, costly prison sentences. According to Liz Mara, a spokesman for the governor, we can no longer rely on imprisonment as the only solution. Brown is also considering about 214 additional people who've served at least half of their sentence for crimes committed as kids for conditional release. The crimes that these people have been convicted for are the most violent. Murder, attempted murder, manslaughter, rape, sodomy, sex abuse, first and second degree assault, robbery, attempted robbery, and arson. A couple of them were serving life terms in prison. And the ages at the time of the crimes range from the age of 15 to the age of 17. Well, about nine months ago, Oregonians voted to decriminalize hard drugs, supposedly to connect people with treatment. And it appears that goal is utterly failing. All the while, Oregon is close to setting a brand new record for opiate-related overdose deaths. Since Measure 110 went into effect in February, arrests for drug possession have plummeted across Oregon from a monthly average of about 1,200 to about 200. This year's arrests tend to be for dealer quantities, according to state officials, for small amounts of drugs like heroin, meth, LSD, ecstasy, etc. The non-criminal violations give people a chance to call a statewide hotline to complete a screening for a substance abuse disorder or pay a hundred dollar fine. So let's break down some of the numbers. Total number of citations from, according to the Oregon Judicial Department, show an estimated 1,280 tickets statewide were passed out, most often for meth and heroin. And of the 1,280 tickets, about 600 have failed to show up in court, and only 51 have called the hotline and completed the 25-minute assessment. Now, that's according to Lines for Life. They're the nonprofit that works on substance abuse and suicide prevention. The hotline is sort of an entry point for referral services, but the law does not require the people who've been cited to actually get treatment. Of all of those people, only eight have asked for treatment information and 35 declined information about those services, saying they only called to meet the requirements of the new law and not pay the $100 fine. Measure 110, which had primary financial support from the American Civil Liberties Union of Oregon and out-of-state groups pressing for drug policy reform, passed in November with about 60% of the vote. Josephine County has written the most citations so far, with Grants Pass mostly driving those numbers. Grants Pass Captain Todd Moran has said that about 35 people have received multiple citations, and he says people who get the tickets generally understand they don't face a consequence if they don't show up. Well, some good news, and that is fire season has ended on all 16 million acres of Oregon forest land protected by the Oregon Department of Forestry. Statewide, more than 800,000 acres of state-protected lands burned in wildfires this year, fewer than last year, but above the 10-year average. However, a single fire, the bootleg fire, 
burned 413,700 acres and it accounted for about half the acreage lost in wildfires this year. That fire, by the way, was the third largest, largest in Oregon history since 1900. Okay, so I just came across this and I thought it would pass it along. Remember a few weeks ago, we talked about how Bimart was closing all of its in-store pharmacies a couple of weeks ago. Well, we're finding out more about why they did. And I just discovered that a week ago yesterday, Bimart, headquartered here in Oregon, put out a full page ad in the Sunday Oregonian announcing why they're closing all of their pharmacists or pharmacies and they listed three reasons why they're closing them down. That's a look at the article. And I'm just gonna read from the ad directly. Why are we closing our pharmacies? And they give three reasons. First, they say that Bymart Pharmacy has long been affected by increasing costs and fees that have simply made it unfeasible for them to operate their pharmacy profitably within a chain of stores their size. Here's the three reasons why. Prescription medication costs have gone up, while insurance reimbursements have grown smaller and smaller. Secondly, medication distribution and benefit management fees have soared in recent years, costing them millions. And third, the Oregon Corporate Activities Tax takes even more. They say taxing us on our receipts rather than just our profits. They say unchanged, the cost of pharmacy operations would threaten our business throughout the Northwest. And they say even though they know it's difficult, it was the right decision for the future of Bimart. They say right now, sans the pharmacies, that their core business is healthy, growing, and they're committed to providing Bimart value and service to their members for years to come. Now, if you recall, it was uh, two years ago that the idea of a corporate activities tax, also known as a gross receipts tax, was overwhelmingly given the thumbs down by Oregon voters. And a corporate activities tax essentially taxes all the money that you make. This is not on your net profit. This is on your gross receipts. And when you take a business like, say, grocery stores that consistently work on a profit margin of about 2%, and that's pretty low, you can imagine how a corporate activities tax, where they're just taxing your gross, how big of a bite it can take out of your, your business or out of your pharmacy or out of your chain of pharmacies. Well, I'm Bill London and I'll see you tomorrow morning, bright and early, 6 a.m. to 9 on the wake up call here on KPNW. And now get ready because we're opening an industrial sized drum full of real and we're going to get real. And we're going to get real with Rick, the guy with the hair. Rick. He has hair envy. It's so sad. <clears throat> but did you hear what Bill's saying? So here again, we have lawmakers who make a decision that Oregon voters said no to. And now what they're basically doing is closing down a locally owned Pacific Northwest company, and those people are going to go to Walgreens or Walmart or the big box stores. So how is that being friendly to local business? 
And you know those prices are just going to be passed on to you and to me. So we, the people, need to start being involved in this stuff. When we said no at the voters block, how come they turned around and changed it? We need to be accountable to that and be saying, no, you don't get to do that and start writing them. We need journalists who will actually do something other than just repeat what they find on the wire service that day. And that's why it's such a blessing to have Bill uh, London at KPNW. And that's why we have him here, the only last guy who asks real questions. Uh, so tonight we got a real great topic. Um, I'm excited to hear that. I actually heard this on Bill London's show because Rich Locke, and I'm gonna bring Rich on. Hey Rich, how you doing? Good, how are you? I'm good. Okay, we can hear you. So I heard the show where you got, you were on with uh, uh, two other gentlemen. One was Pastor Gabe, who I've had on my show before, mm -hmm. and a city councilor. And I, I thought about having some other folks on here, but I think I just want to talk with the business community about this because I've talked to Gabe and got his point of view. Mm -hmm. um, the city, I think, I think it's, I think we hear enough from city people. I think it's time to hear from from the voices of people. People, tell people kind of what you've done with the business community. Um, in terms of homelessness in Eugene, well, um, what we what we've done is is um, I started out going door to door with all my business neighbors because Pacific Avenue, we're right off of Dannyville, has been a uh, collection spot for RV campers, and we um, uh, I, I needed some support so that the city would start hearing us, and so I went around and I started collecting, and then. And then I got involved with a couple other people that had brought forth uh, lists from their business neighborhoods. So uh, I started collecting this list. And, and so we're up to about 165 local West Eugene businesses now that are, are uh, getting emails from me on a regular basis and talking about what's happening in our different communities and how the crime and the garbage and all the things that go along with homelessness um, do and we keep growing but what we've done with um, homelessness as far as um, benefiting it I would say um, we have been very um, uh, what's the right word here um, we haven't been objecting that much we've been helping the city do their plan their plan is to open these safe sleep sites, uh, low barrier shelters is what they should be. They're more of a, a sleep site. We can talk about that a little later. Uh, but we've also uh, uh, endorsed, um, you know, having campers uh, live on our, our business properties to be our eyes and ears. So uh, like I have a, a lady that lives on, on uh, at my business, I've armed her with my, um, surveillance system on her cell phone so that she can actually uh, if she hears somebody trying to break into the gate which she did not long after she moved in she just called 911 from inside of her RV she didn't have to get out she could see what was happening on my surveillance system called the police and they were dispatched actually right away because she's on the site right so you could you could have your security system call or you can call the police, but they're not going to dispatch because there's nobody there. Right. No matter how bad it's going to be, because I've, I've got businesses that have had break ins. They've had uh, people storming their their lay down yards and, and outside. And it's 
they don't even get a visit. They file a complaint. They don't get it. Nobody follows up on it. But if there's somebody there and there's somebody trying to break into your property, they will respond and they do. So you're finding a way to give them purpose, uh, the, the unhoused purpose, and yeah. also take care of the situation. So you're trying to be compassionate. Um, but, 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 the, but the frustrating thing with the city is how come when we see all these new little shelter areas, I noticed that none of them are being located in South Eugene. They're all being put out in West Eugene or River Road. Um, is that make you ever scratch your head? And well, I, you know, I, I, um, I am saying there's only three affected wards, and that's one, seven, and eight. And uh, I would say um, we are the only ones. Uh, lately, I have been. Um, sending out emails to my um, uh, list and uh, the list uh, uh, we're, I'm asking for some type of equity. And when I say equity, it doesn't have to mean that they, they have to take on the, the persons, you know, the physical bodies of the homeless people, but they should be because those, those areas are not being affected at all. I mean, they, the uh, areas that are most affected are one, seven and eight. And we, you know, we do need, if we're a good community, we do need to be sharing the responsibility for that. And, and I think that's only fair. Do you, in terms of business people, don't you think kind of what I hear from a lot of people is I don't know that they're as angry at the homeless people as they are at the way the city is handling all this or allowing, um, the, the Jefferson Street Bridge Park down there. I see where now they put a road through there, and I think people are ju are just. I'll, I hear people screaming about this, and these you can't make this a right or left issue. People try. It's much mm -hmm. easier to try to discount it if you try to make it. Oh well, you're right wing because you don't. I think people are just tired of the crime, the drugs, the mess, the garbage, mm -hmm. and and they don't. They feel like nothing's being done, and then even after that show. That you did with Bill, I heard people coming on and going, "What were they? What were those city people talking about? They were using all these big words, and nobody's talking about. Everybody's so afraid to talk about this because I've already experienced this myself. You get put into this. Rick Dancer's anti-homeless. Well, that's a bunch of horseshit, and as far from the truth as anything. But it's the only way they can discount. Instead of discounting this conversation, why don't we just have it? Why don't we just talk about this stuff and find ways that we can help people, but also keep our community clean. And if you're going to allow homeless people to camp, we need to make that the entire city, not just one seven and whatever you said it was. That isn't fair. That isn't equitable. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I, I gotta say that, you know, what, what I get asked more often than not is, is that people will say, well, why aren't there, why don't I ever see any people around those um, those um, Conestogas and stuff like that? They look like they're abandoned. And I says, well, you know, depending on who's operating it, and that's the biggest thing right now is is that there's there the city can't hire the help that they need, right? The managers to manage sites like that. I think we're, you know, if we look at this uh, site over on 410 Garfield, that's one that's supposed to follow up behind 310. Um, I think you'll find that they're probably looking for a manager. I thought St. Vinny's was going to do it, but it seems like I'm not sure now. So they really don't 
the managing the, of the, the, those places is the hardest thing to come by. It's not the place. If it gets too close to a neighborhood, then you get the neighbors involved when they go out to do their census. The neighbors say no and they don't do it. So the, the places where they're at are probably acceptable places, but they don't go off into any other wards. I mean, I've driven all around Eugene looking for congregations of homeless people, and um, I, I don't see them in those areas. I, I, I you know, we just, That's I call the West Eugene the dumping ground. This is where we're dumping all of the homelessness that we have in, in town. And I'm, I'm telling you, Rick, homelessness is a real problem. Homelessness, there's a lot of people that are really good ones. On Pacific Avenue here, I, you know, a year ago, I, I tell this story all the time. A year ago, I was the guy that was on the six o'clock news fighting out, brawling in the street with the homeless person, right? Until I actually started going out there and meeting them. I would go out there and introduce myself. And, you know, I, and there, a lot of these people are, have a job and they're, they just don't have a place to put their RV. Um, but there is the criminal element involved in there also. So, you know, what we need to do is have compassion for those ones that need help. And I believe that everybody is not, it, you're right, it's not a political deal because people on my email list, there's Democrats and Republicans in there. And we need to, we need to be working on the solutions together. And I think this is going to be a, a big, um, uh, a big issue in the next election. We have four uh, council seats and three commissioner seats coming up. So there is an opportunity in the future to change this. What we have to do is, is find the right people that we can put in there and trust to do what we're asking them to do and, and look at solutions that are outside the norm. What I'm seeing is, is that we have all of these um, nonprofits and I'm, there's great programs. There's all of them have their purpose, but I see redundancy in them. There's, there's too many things doing a little bit something different than the other one. And that pulls in, that pulls in money. And I can tell you right now, homelessness and, and servicing the homeless is big business. And we need to look at it, not at, at, at the business level we need to look at it at a humanity level where we're actually going out there where i see the least amount of money is at the place where we need it the most in eugene where we have unhoused people have mentally mental illness issues and you know drug issues or whatever it is those people are looked over nobody wants to help them there's no money there to help them that's why there's out there in the public and in our in our work uh, environments and in our neighborhoods stealing things and stuff is because nobody wants to help. So Rich, what does it say about a city or a society that is okay letting six or 700 people camp in a, in a park like that? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not really humane at all. And it, it seems, it seems like somebody, I feel like, 
in, in Eugene, we can't even have this conversation, which we have to. And I think we keep because people want to beat you up and shut you up. And, and all they do is I, I, I don't even understand this at all. It's this whole attitude like, OK, discount them, discount them, discount them. You hate, you hate, you hate. When really we're trying to do something to clean things up and get these people clean and get them healthy and not be the club med for the homeless community, the world. I mean, I've gone out there literally. No, I had a police officer tell me they invited the counselors to go out there and they wouldn't go to meet these people. I've gone down and talked to people and they mm -hmm. say, Rick, everybody around the country knows you can come here for the weed, for the drugs. You can come here and get any kind of help you need and all the services. It's a great place to be. So we're, we're attracting them uh, mm -hmm. to be here, but nobody wants to talk about that. We don't want to say what we're doing is bringing more people here, not taking care of the ones that are really our community that we need to be taking care of. We're just bringing in everyone. And what about the homeless, the ones I met with Gabe at, at, in this RV park, they were the most awesome people mm -hmm. and they're they really having a hard time, but they're mm -hmm. taking care of everything. And there are citizens. They didn't just come here for somewhere else because they could get free, whatever. They're here struggling and we're not taking care of them. And instead we're making this more and more attractive by, by sitting on our hands and covering our eyes and seeing no evil, hear no evil, feel no evil. It just seems like the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. And we can't even talk about it without being blasted. Mm -hmm. Well, like I said, there's, there's no money in it there. Uh, if I, I got a little graph, if you can see it over there on my bullet or my uh, whiteboard there, this is where all the money's at. 81% of all the money that comes into Lane County from all sources for housing and stuff is, is, and, and we have a, a Lane County has what they call a housing first policy. That's what they're 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 living on. So what that says is is that housing first. If you're in housing, you're going to get money to stay in housing. So if you're a couple hundred bucks uh, uh, short every month, uh, you're going to end up getting that. So 81% of all the funding is to keep people in housing. There is. There is money in there, 9% for emergency shelter and, and 6.4 for basic needs. And then, you know, domestic violence is 2%. So, but we started out there with $140 million this year. The, I mean, the, the money's being sucked out of that thing. I think the county has like $45 million in payroll just handling it. So it's like, it just gets... So, where, so what you're what you're saying is you don't think it's getting to the actual you got this money it's not getting to the actual homeless it, well out of that 140 million it, uh, well i think they had 142 million in revenue and they used 140 million of it uh to do what they're doing the services well i think the services might be adequate if we got the people that aren't supposed to be here and that we really don't want to. And that's failed Eugene policies. Those are the policies that we have allowed our city council to put in uh, that hinder us from moving these people on. Now, so now you have to throw into the Martin versus Boise lawsuit that happened and all of the things that go around there. It's, it's, it's so convoluted. But, but this started long. This started long before oh. that, because I remember going down three, four, five years ago yeah. and asking the same questions. And they weren't. I'd ask where they're from, and they're very honest people. They, I oh, mean, yeah. to me, they they're they not have any reason here. to lie. 
no, they weren't from here. And it, what concerned me at the time is then I started asking the questions and then nobody wanted to talk. So what are businesses, what do you guys want to do about it? You got 168 businesses and I'm sure more would like to get involved. Mm -hmm. um, and I think what, what the population has to understand, this is not get people out of here. It's get local help. We need to start helping. We can't help all these people. It's like we have a welcome mat out that anybody that, you know, isn't working or doing anything come to Eugene, Oregon. Well, that's not a good thing for economic development and for helping our businesses either, or the homeless people who are struggling. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, one thing is, is we're way down in our, our, our police force, right? They, they did the CSI tax. And that's one of the things that I'm trying to make sure is they don't stray away from what was approved. But I, I gotta hand it to the city. They they are trying to reduce the population in any way we can, and that's where the Eugene businesses uh, the, in, that are in um, on my email list is is that we're we're being um, lenient, so to speak, on allowing some of this stuff to happen. You, we could have put stuck our foot in the sand and said we're not even going to endorse 310 Garfield or anything like that. What we need to do is is find the good ones, do the outreach, find the good ones and put them. So Pacific Avenue, where my business is on, there was a spur road, Atlantic. So, you know, we, the city suggested, hey, why don't we, if we opened that up and kept your Pacific clean, can, can we put, house some uh, um, homeless people there? And I said, our neighbors all said, sure, we can do that. And we've got a nice little neighborhood down there of about 12 campers and they have a gate to lock up every night. So other people can't come in. There's it's not a fenced area so that those people are still being exposed to um, thieves that come in from the other side and come in and take their stuff. You got to understand living on the street like that is tough business. I feel yeah. sorry for these people because they can't leave their things at all. And you and I can call the police. They can't even call the police. They right. call the police and the police show up because somebody stole something from them. They could end up, they'll, for sure, they're going to get their windows beat out in their trailer and their, and their cars and their, you know, everything else. It's amazing how, how brutal it is. So Jason writes on here, maybe Eugene can build a wall, keep the unwanted. <laughs> and Jason, I don't know if you're kidding. I know Jason, he's a really great guy, but I want to make a point on that is I'm not talking when I'm speaking about keeping people out. What I'm, what I'm saying, and there's a difference here is stop making it so damn attractive. Yeah. Well, that's, that's there's, there's a difference. There's a difference between. Well, we have, we've done this. I'm sorry, Rick. No, go ahead. We've done this to ourselves. I mean, I, thinking about this, it's like, wh who's really to blame here? The citizens of Eugene are, are to blame because we haven't kept current. We really, we're paying attention to our businesses or whatever it is, and we're not voting. We're not paying attention to who's being voted in and stuff and the stuff that's being put in front of the council. So we need to get involved as business. That's, that's that's the biggest the thing. community. We need to be head over heels involved in everything that the council looks at. So Brenda says on here, how do you vet them? Um, you know, who's the good, who's the bad? Brenda, let me tell you uh, some uh, one. This no. past game, he started a group over in West 18th. And he had a church 
and the church went under and he still had this building and these guys came around um homeless guys and he started saying you can stay here as long as you do two things you keep it clean and you meet with me once a week as a group uh, just to talk and they started doing that pretty soon that group of men was now power washing the 7-Eleven in the neighborhood, taking care of the streets and chasing the bad people, the, mm -hmm. the criminals out. That's how you do it. You, you, you provide the ability for them to get the help that they need and a place to stay in shelter. Mm -hmm. And then you allow them to become part of the community, a vital part like, like Rich has done, having this woman, now she has a job. She is now watching his place. And you want to know how the bad ones will leave? The bad ones will leave because they they are now part of our community. They will chase them out. They will mm -hmm. get rid of them. Bad apples always are going to surface to the top. And the good people, homeless, not homeless, whatever, are going to be there to push them out. It's a natural thing. It can happen. But we have to start talking about this. For God's sake, it's, it is okay to talk about that we don't want our streets to look like shit. And that we don't. <laughs> If I can't camp in a, a, a park and use it, we shouldn't have people every just garbage all over our rivers and lakes. And it's okay to say that, that I don't want my, my rivers polluted with needles and garbage and shit and all that other stuff. That's okay to talk about. But we've yeah. made it in Eugene. It's a hush-hush. And if you say anything about that, you're an evil, horrible hater. And that's just bullshit. Yeah. Well, uh, you got to get past the hate. You know, when I... I turned the corner as far as, as um, you know, I'm going to call myself a, a homeless advocate because right now I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I'm focused in on the mentally ill and the, and the drug abusers to, because there isn't a lot there for them to where we can move those people off the street. And what that means is, is that we got to move money from the top down to the bottom and have, have this uh, more programs available. But the difference, what the gal was asking about, the difference between how do you vet them and how, just go out there and meet them. Yeah. Go out there and shake their hand and say, how can I help you today? Because yeah, you, when they show up, you can see who's the good ones and the bad ones. The bad ones are the guys that have people coming to them all day long, bringing them things. Well, you ask, you ask the people in our community who are homeless, who are out there, they'll tell you, they don't hang out with those other people, the criminal they, people. They kind of, they, they stay they away. Just, you know, Jason, you'll notice the difference if they're in cars and stuff, there's a distance between them and the others. Right. Because and it'll happen. We just have to be less attractive to be drawing everyone in. Jason, you ask about Roseburg. We have a woman who's a former city councilor. They don't have as big a problem, but they got trash everywhere too. Their parks are, are crappy. Portland's like that. Springfield over there, we don't have the problem you have here in Eugene. Um, I do see it near the chamber once in a while because it it's it comes over that direction. But it's not. But the, but the reason that is is and people don't want to talk about that. And Rich already said it. It's because we have a jail, and every person who's a criminal who's homeless. Let's separate them. We have homeless people and homeless criminals. The mm -hmm. homeless criminals know if you commit a crime in Springfield, you will do time. You will go to jail. So guess what? They don't go to Springfield because that doesn't mean Springfield doesn't have homeless people. What it means is the criminal element of the homeless community is not doing stuff in Springfield because they know they'll spend the night at least in jail. And that's the difference. Eugene, it's, it's all how we look at this. Yeah. And well, you can 
I'm sorry. You can take uh, Springfield as a perfect example. You know, I had uh, met with uh, some folks over on First Street at uh, Industrial Finishes last week, and uh, met with uh, the chief uh, Skinner, and uh, we we asked that particular question for the simple reason he didn't do a very good job of answering it on the radio that morning, and uh, he he came around to the it's the policies we have they and they have a jail right. I'm telling you, the worst thing that you can possibly do to these people out here on the street is separate them from their things for one or two days. Because if you separate them from their things for one or two days, all of it's going to be gone. Those people and those people that are the criminals have more than anybody else. Right. So, so I guess it's defining for our community. Um, there's actually... That's, there's there's Ashley now. She used to be on the city council. That somebody was talking about you guys don't have a, a homeless problem in Roseburg, Ashley. So I'll let you just pipe in with your comments. So how can people, Rich, get involved in your group and what you're doing if it's local business people just to get people speaking about this and having a conversation? Um, well, I all you have to do to be involved in the email chain is email me, which is- Can I put your email on here? Uh, what's that? Can I put your email on here? Yeah, sure. Okay, go ahead. Keep talking. And, and and so what I will do is is be pointing out on a regular basis what we are and what we aren't doing. And and I'm I've been very vocal to the city about about um, what we need to do and how to address it. But also we we've, we've been working with them. You know, they need to, you know open these safe sites up and so on and so forth. We've been like with anything with the city, it takes a lot of time and they're talking about it all the time. You know, Randy Groves is a great guy. I, I, I respect him highly, but you know, he came out to West Eugene and started selling. You wouldn't believe how many sites that we actually talked about, you know, before they actually got 310 Garfield. I mean, it was, it was, you know, uh, Crow Road and, and West 11th and all over around here. But as soon as the neighbors, so they don't have anything in, in the works, but they, but they were promoting it to calm us down. You see, this is only, and that, that's another thing that the whole nother topic is that all of the moving around of the homeless, uh, you know, and I, I've coined the, the term of, uh, out here in West Eugene, you get two weeks of relief every three or four months because they bring, you know, they swat them out of one place and they call it inside the city, they call it whack-a-mole, right? So they have a plan for it. It's all planned around their public's work. So when the public works has time to clean up after them, they schedule and move people out. They don't care where they go. They just go to another spot in Eugene, Right. And that's, so and you that's get about two happen. weeks of relief, and it's it's more than anything. Homelessness is a visual issue with most people. You can't. It just defies all logic of why you have to look at it, why you have to come to your business. I mean, I spend two thirds of my time here at my uh, of my life here at my business, right? Just like everybody else does. And I and I live fairly close, so my commute, I would have to drive by it all. 18th Street, Pittsford, you know, uh, down off of uh, uh, on Pacific and down uh, off of some other roads. It's all around. And I, I was 
taking it and the, they had a big camp up on 18th and they were dumping their garbage up on Willow Creek, which I commute on. So right. I would, from the time I left my home, I was seeing garbage bags and then I'd see campers and more campers. And then I'd go to work and I'd, it, it's all out in front of me. Right. So that's when I got upset. That's when I, I actually said, you know, if you put a freaking, I was telling the city, if you put a freaking garbage can, out, a dumpster out there on 18th Street, they wouldn't end up on Willow Creek. I ended up sponsoring a big dumpster down there, had Gabe go down there to the, the encampment, say, hey, guys, do do put your garbage in that dumpster. You know, a, a, a businessman has put that out there so we don't have to distribute it all over Eugene. And believe it or not, they used it. We dumped it a couple of different times. They went all the way back up inside of Willow Creek, pulled all that garbage out there and put it in there. So some compassion works. And just having the right tools in front of them. I've been advocating for the city to take charge or take responsibility for all these, I call them mass homeless camps that we had out here in West Eugene. I mean, it just started out here. What's been going on in town for over a year, you know, down under the Washington Jefferson Street Bridge where they have food, they have toilets, they have water, they have everything they need down underneath there. And they were, they were doing it there because it's visual and out here because it's not. It, they weren't out here because it's not visual and nobody was complaining about it. Now, they everything that's any mass, they like down at the end of Pacific, that is a sanctioned encampment. They have toilets down there and uh, garbage down there, and we provide the water to them. I, I have a water hose out here. I was feeling sorry for them. It was 100 degrees last summer, right? You know where the nearest spigot is from Pacific Avenue? Clear over on West First. And they'd have to take their jug over there to get water. That's the problem downtown. People are laying and they're defecating everywhere. There's no toilets. You go downtown, there's no public toilets. Where do you where does a person if he's homeless go to go to the bathroom downtown? Right. Right. You can't well, do it. No, and that's the that's the we don't have any facilities. That's the non-compassionate side. Non-compassionate. And they don't do, when you don't do anything, you can't call it compassion. And when you just keep talking about it for year after year after year, and it gets worse, you have to start looking at people and saying, something here isn't quite working. And so I think that's where we as a community need to kind of kind of stand up and say, and, and I'll tell you, you're going to get hits. You're going to get hit by people um, because anytime, you know, you bring up anything that's a little different than what they want to say, they make you into a hater. And uh, well, they well, try. So let's I, just say- I'm not a hater because- uh, you know, I can tell you one thing, the West Eugene Business Alliance, that's what we call ourselves, the, the Eugene Business Alliance. I've created the name for it. I'm now actually hired an attorney. We are going to make it a, 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 a 501c6, which is, you know, uh, not like your normal C3, but uh, we, so that we can uh, conduct business with this homeless or with this group. Uh, but we're compassionate. We've done more for the homeless community in West Eugene than and advocated for it.
than anybody. And it's bipartisan, too. This is where we need to get on the next elections is bipartisan. Let's right. put the right person in there and quit worrying about that. I can show you a whole graph of what I've made up of, of why we do that. And, and the worst part about it is that line down between between a Republican and a Democrat. And they're and they're on the line. They think alike. Why would two people that think alike vote differently? Right. Right. So let's get rid of the line and start looking at what's best for Eugene. Right. As a whole. And as a whole. whole. Yeah. Hey, thank you so much, Rich, for joining us and sticking your neck out there. And I, you guys, if there's anybody out there and you'd like to be your business owner in town and you'd like to be involved with this, um, please get a hold of Rich um, and get involved. Um, is, because is my uh, email going to be? I already oh. had it on there. Okay. I got yeah, it on call there. Me up. I'll add you to the, my goal is a thousand employers in Eugene. That's my goal. And I've got 200 or 168. So we're going to, we're going to keep going. And, right. and, you know, I see us doing all kinds of things. We're just focused in on this homeless deal right now, but I see all kinds of stuff. Why are our roads the way they are? Right. Why don't we have public restrooms downtown? I mean, it's just, there's so much stuff. So um, last question. Are you a unicycler? Hey, Rick, that's uh, L-O-C-K-E, not. Did I put the wrong one on there? Oh my God, you guys. Okay, let me put the right one on. I'm sorry. It, you know what? It probably is a type when I hit it. It probably hit the wrong one. Um, that's what I get. L-O-C-K-E at mid Valley Metals. Oh, you know what it did? It just tried to do it again. Spell it change. Changes, it changes it to its a H. Okay, hold on. I'm gonna yeah. let me let me override it there. Okay, now we got it. So it's coming. It's just taking a while. So did you get my last? So my last question for you, Rich, was: Are you a yeah. unicycle? Do you ride a unicycle? Yeah. Yes, sir. I see, I see it behind you there, and I'm thinking, dude, does this guy really ride that unicycle yeah. back there? Yeah. 64 years. I've been doing, I've been riding a unicycle for 50 years. Wow. I still have my original one. That's a nicer one than my original one. Well, okay, stud. I, I, I owe you. I bow. <laughs> All right, man. I'll talk to you later. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. All right, you guys. So that's Rich Locke, um, L-O-C-K-E uh, on the email. But if you're a business owner or uh, someone in town who just wants to be involved, um, you know, there's a great resource for you, 168 strong. And, um, and again, I think the thing, um, that we have to do you guys is we just can't be afraid to talk and, um, and trust me. Um, oh, real quick, our show, we couldn't do this without Chris Dental family dentistry. Um, uh, Michael Bratlin sponsored this whole show. Um, he's a, a, a man of integrity. He's a man who really believes that the community should have their civic rights and should be talking to people. And if you are looking for a dentist, he takes care of people vaxxed or unvaxxed. He doesn't believe that it's his business. Your vaccination status is not his business. Your dental health needs are. Um, and he helps sponsor our show. We have tons of sponsors who just believe in, they don't always agree with me. They believe in one common theme that I think most of you believe in is we have to start talking about the things that people don't want us to talk about. 
And yes, they will fight back. And yes, they will call you names. And yes, they try to twist your words. But after they do it enough times, you just get to a kind of point where you just say, who gives a shit? Because it's not true and they're lying and they're just making things up. The bottom line is we have compassion for the homeless. We just don't want to be an attraction for the for the uh, lawless homeless people that are coming here because they're not only putting you and my kids and uh, our kids in danger, they're putting our homeless people in danger. Remember that the next time somebody tells you how horrible you are is that that person is putting by allowing the criminals to come into our house, into our town, you're putting our truly homeless people on the streets in danger. So take that and smoke it. I'll be back tomorrow with more. Um, have a great night. And please share this on your page for other people to get involved in the conversation. Because guess what? It's our town. And they're going to do it our way.